Why, hello there, nerds. I'm Ash. And I'm Nat. And you're listening to Crime Time Nerds, a sister podcast. Welcome, folks, to another episode of Crime Time Nerds. But before we get going on our case today, Ash and I just wanted to share a quick promo from our friends over at Crime and Compulsion. Husband-wife duo Ben and Karen are phenomenal in their true crime podcast, and everyone should check it out if you get a chance. So we just want to share a really quick promo from them. Hey, guys. This is Ben. And I'm Karen. All you do is read about crime. If you have serial killer posters in your bedroom. And if you're hiding newspaper article clippings under your bed. Looking at you, Karen. (laughs) Don't be concerned, guys. We share your compulsion. You can join us at crimeandcompulsion.com. Or wherever you get your podcasts. See ya. Today's episode is a very special one for Ash and I, as we have had the honor of getting to know this case more deeply and intimately than any other case that we have ever covered. Today, Ash and I are going to discuss the still unsolved disappearance of a Marine reservist, a brother, a friend, and a son. We will be discussing the disappearance of 21-year-old Harry Dennis Milligan, who disappeared back on July 1st of 1984. This is actually going to be a two-part episode, wherein this first part, Ash and I are going to discuss the events that led up to Harry's disappearance and the case itself. And in our second half, Ash and I will actually be interviewing Harry's brother, former police sergeant Mark Milligan, who was kind enough to take the time to discuss his brother's case with us and where it stands today. We were genuinely honored to have the chance to talk to Mark and the community of amazing folks who are helping him to try and solve his brother's case after all these years. We are seeing cold cases get solved a lot more in recent years, and we hope that we can all help to bring some closure to these amazing family members who just want answers as to what happened to their lost loved ones. Absolutely. We just wanted to give a little backstory on some of the missing persons data that has been out in recent years, as it does relate to this case as well. So according to the FBI's National Crime Information Center, which is also known as NCIC, they recently released in 2019 their 2019 missing person and unidentified person statistics. As of December 31st of 2019, The NCIC had nearly 87,500 active missing person records. Youth under the age of 18 accounted for 35% of the records, and 44% of the missing person records are people under the age of 21. According to NamUs, which is the National Missing and Unidentified Person System, more than 600,000 persons go missing in the United States every year. Anywhere between 89% to 92% of those missing people are recovered every year. 8 to 11%, however, do remain unsolved each and every year. This case came to us via a Facebook group that we are a part of, and when we first learned of this unsolved case, we knew that we had to help in any way we could. We created this platform for folks like the family members and community that is involved in our case today. We want many of these cold cases and unsolved cases to have a voice and to have their stories remain alive. The friends and family of Harry Milligan and Mark Milligan have done everything in their power to help investigate Harry's disappearance that day. They've never given up on their quest for answers and for finding Harry and bringing him home. We are only a small part of this story. 
So listeners, we have only one request in all of this. Please listen to this family's story. Please share Harry's story far and wide. We're going to be posting updates regularly on this case. So share them on social media. Tell everyone you know about Harry's story. And we will be using every platform that we have in order to try and help amplify this story in order to help bring Harry Dennis Milligan home and to give his family the peace and answers that they so deserve after 36 years of waiting. We are honored and touched to be a part of this story in whatever small way we can. And we want to thank Mark Milligan and Michelle, the admin of the Facebook group, and all of the amazing folks in their Facebook group, which is called Harry Dennis Milligan still missing, for never giving up on their search of bringing Harry home. We know that the work you have all done has made an impact in the search for finding Harry Milligan, and we want to thank you. The still unsolved disappearance of Harry Dennis Milligan is one of the missing person cases that still remains unsolved after 36 years. Harry's disappearance leaves more questions than answers, and at this time, it is assumed that Harry is an involuntary missing persons, which means that he is not assumed to have chosen to just disappear. However, when he first went missing, Harry's case was not classified as such, and instead, he was classified as more of a runaway disappearance. And with that, nerdlings, it's time to leave the light, get behind that old wheel once again, And let's drive down the streets of rural Iowa back on July 1st of 1984, when Harry Dennis Milligan first disappeared. Our case begins in the town of Avery, Iowa, where Harry Dennis Milligan was a 21-year-old Marine Corps reservist who was home for the summer away from his college. Harry Milligan was born in Denver, Colorado on October 4th of 1964 to unknown parents. Harry Milligan was then adopted as a young child at the age of 13 months old to Leonard Milligan and Leonard's first wife. Harry had been born with two clubbed feet, and after the Milligans adopted him, they were able to have his clubbed feet surgically corrected. Leonard went on to remarry another woman who was named Vicky. She would actually become Harry's mother, and she, with Leonard, raised Harry as their own. Leonard worked as a railroad conductor, and he also was a former Marine. The Milligans also adopted another young boy, whose name was Mark, and these two boys were also very close in age. Mark is quoted as saying, quote, We were super close. He was a fun, very smart guy. We had a blast together when we were young, unquote. The Milligans had a happy, close family. There were six children in total. Harry had a kind family and a new life in Monroe County, Iowa. He went to school in Albia, and he also was an avid sports player, joining the high school football, basketball, and also the golf teams all through his high school career. Harry had a great sense of humor, and he was known as a smart student who was kind and funny. The Milligan boys were close to one another growing up. Both joined the Marines when they came of age, Mark went in full-time in California, and Harry would become a Marine reservist while he attended college full-time. Harry attended basic training in San Diego, California, and then when he completed his basic training, he would later enroll in the Northern Missouri State University in Kirksville. Harry often came home to his parents' house in Avery, Iowa, from college on the weekends. He attended weekend softball games and often went out with his friends to the nearby town of Albia, Iowa, during the weekends. It is thought that Harry had been struggling with college, which, honestly, at 21 years old, I can 
completely understand. A lot of us have been there and there's just a lot of pressure that goes with college and there's the temptations of partying and hanging out with friends and it can just be really, really hard to balance, especially when you're young. So during that summer of 1984, Harry had been working a summer job painting houses for folks in the town of Albia, Iowa. On Saturday night of June 30th, 1984, Harry got ready to head out for the night. He told his mother, Vicky, that he would be going out to, quote, meet the guys over in Albia. He then asked his sister to make sure that he was up the next morning in order to attend his regular weekend softball game. Harry then left the house in his maroon 1977 two-door Pontiac Grand Prix in order to go meet up with his friends for an evening out in the business district of Albia, Iowa. The group of friends went out for the evening and they went to a local bar that was named The Waterworks, owned by a man named Mike Stalker, and it was located over in Albia's business district. According to those that saw Harry that night, which was on June 30th, Harry seemed to be in good spirits, and he'd actually won some money playing cards at the bar. And he had just hung out and spoke with friends and was just having a good time and was drinking some beers with other folks. It was stated that Harry and several of his friends left the bar at closing time that night. The young men, including Harry, parked their cars after leaving the bar, and they ended up deciding to go out for a drive. The young men parked Harry's car at the Albia Public Library, and they all got out and into one of Harry's friend's cars that night. According to an interview with one of Harry's friends who was driving that night in the Antamwa Courier back in 1989, quote, We were just riding around Main Street talking about different people, different places. We talked about going to Apple River, Wisconsin. We even talked about going to Antamwa for breakfast, but later decided against it, unquote. It was known that Harry had plans to go to a softball game that morning. According to his friends, Harry parted ways with them at about 4.30 a.m. Sunday morning of July 1st after they dropped him off at his car and they watched him drive away in his 1977 Pontiac Grand Prix. That was the last time that Harry Dennis Milligan was ever seen again. It's hard to imagine how someone so young and seemingly in good spirits with a good life and family just disappears in the night like that and is never seen again. It happens all too often, but is heartbreaking when you realize the aftermath their disappearance has on their family and friends. Harry didn't strike anyone as the type to just run away from his life and never reach out to anyone he cared about again. Harry's family realized something was wrong when that morning of July 1st, Harry was reported to have not shown up to his regular Sunday morning softball game. Harry always had the balls and bats for the game, and his friend and college roommate realized that something was wrong when Harry didn't show up as expected. His college roommate and friend called Harry's family and alerted Harry's sister to the fact that Harry didn't show up for the game. Harry's sister Charlotte knew immediately something was wrong, as Harry hadn't shown back up at home either that morning. She immediately alerted her family, and at 7.30 p.m. on the evening of July 1st, 1984, Harry was officially reported missing by his mother, Vicky, to the Albia Police Department. It was at this time that Harry and his vehicle information were entered into the NCIC database. A search team was put together, and the areas throughout Albia, Iowa, were searched to no avail. The case was investigated by then-Monroe County Sheriff Denny Carr, and Denny retired in 1985 from the sheriff's office, but remained involved in Harry's case as a private investigator. 
He is quoted in the Atumwa Courier as saying, quote, We walked from Albia to Avery, looking for any possible sign, unquote. The police force had highway patrol aircraft and boats outfitted with sonar equipment that would be used to try and find any possible leads. No evidence of Harry or his car were ever found. Harry was supposed to report to the Marines that month on July 20th, and it's important to note that if a Marine reservist doesn't show up to drills without the approval of the military authorities, that reservist faces severe penalties, ranging from being put on active Marine duty to possibly being listed as a dishonorable discharge. So it's not something most military members would risk. A year later, in 1985, Harry was officially listed as missing by the United States Marines. Harry's older sister, Charlene, lost her battle with cancer one month after Harry's disappearance and passed away. The Milligans lost two children back to back. Harry would have come home to be there for his family or to have seen his sister before she left this world. Harry's case in the beginning, like so many cases from this era, was thought to have been a runaway. Harry's father, Leonard, never gave up hope that Harry would be found, and he used to bring the missing person's flyers of Harry and leave them along his train route each day. Recently, Harry has been listed as an involuntary disappearance, meaning that either foul play or accidental death could be the reasons for his current missing status. In 1994, the family had to declare Harry Dennis Milligan as deceased, and according to Harry's brother Mark, it was the hardest thing they had done, and that was the moment that it became final for their father. Both Vicky and Leonard have since passed, never getting the answers as to what happened to their beloved son, Harry, that day back on July 1st of 1984. Mark Milligan became a sergeant for the Albia police force after his brother's disappearance. And during his time on the police force, he made sure to never use his power to research his brother's case, following proper procedures by keeping his involvement in the case to that of a concerned family member. That was until he retired from the police force after 20 years of service. After his retirement, Mark connected with some wonderful and amazing folks within his local community that have helped him to build a social media presence on Facebook in order to help try and solve his brother's disappearance. They have found the community to be supportive, helpful, and most importantly, they are receiving new leads and information on Harry's case each and every day. We are honored to have a special guest for next week's episode. Mark Milligan took time out of his current search for answers to speak with both of us here at Crime Time Nerds. Next week's episode will be our interview with Mark, where we will discuss possible thoughts that could have kept Harry Milligan from returning home that fateful night. We conducted an interview with Mark to gain his insight into the case, his experience with this as a former cop, and most importantly, to get to know how important it is to him and his family to finally have a chance at the answers they need to bring Harry Dennis Milligan home. <sighs> what a sad case. I always feel like the missing persons cases, those those ones get me a lot because there's just so many unanswered questions for their family members, for their friends, their loved ones. It's just, it's so sad, especially because he was so, so young. It's, you know, I think this is something that we've seen quite a bit in, in our time of doing these cases, but it is frustrating that a lot of these unsolved disappearances, when they are dealing with younger folks, 
Unfortunately, a lot of times authorities do start with the assumption that these are runaway situations, at least back in in this time frame, back in the 70s and 80s. We saw this a lot. And, and the assumption that they are runaway versus something maybe tragic has happened to them or a crime has been committed, unfortunately, that seems to be kind of a reoccurring theme in a lot of the cases that we've covered of late. Yeah, and it's so unfortunate because we all know that those first 24, 48 mm-hmm. hours, what have you, are so crucial. They really are. I mean, you're losing valuable time to talk to witnesses to get you know statements to find evidence you know a lot can change in a crime scene or potential crime scene within 24 hours to to 48 hours it just it makes it almost impossible at that point to get clean clear answers so yeah and I personally don't think that Terry would have been a runaway and that's just my opinion Mm. it just seemed that he was really close to his family. Yeah. I don't think he would leave his family in the time of need where his sister was sick with cancer and he wasn't sure if she was going to survive or not. I just, I feel like that's not a time that someone who mm. is 21 and close to his family would run away. I agree. And in my opinion too, just, just looking at this, it seemed like Harry, he seemed close to his family. You know, kids are, you go off to college and you're doing college things, but that doesn't mean you're not close with your family. To me, it just doesn't seem like he would have reasons that were large enough to leave. He had a great family life. You know, school was maybe, you know, 21-year-old school, college, hit or miss. But that seems like the only thing standing out as far as as I can tell that would have impacted him enough. And I just, I don't know if school would be enough, enough of a reason to leave your family behind. Personally, I don't think it would. Yeah, I agree, especially with this being... 30 plus years that he's been missing. I highly doubt that Harry would leave for that long without at least reaching out a couple times. Right. Especially after, you know, I don't know. I'm with you. I just, I think that he would have reached out, especially after his sister passed away, you know, his parents. To me, I, I think something absolutely happened to him. Something kept him from seeing his family. Yeah. And that's what really, really kills me about this case is that his parents have passed on without knowing their answers and that just like oof that really really hurts hurts yeah yeah it's uh I can't imagine I'm not a parent but I know my mom would be devastated if something like that happened to one of us so I can't imagine their grief and and my heart breaks for them for their whole family for Mark all of them because it's just sad that their family has had to go through this. And so many families have had to go through this. I just, I, you know, it's one of those things you wish you could wave a magic wand and, and make this type of stuff disappear. I, it's just so sad. Yeah, and the strange thing to me, Nat, I don't know about you, is that with this being a small town, it's just absolutely crazy to me that no one really saw Harry after 4.30 a.m. that night. Because yeah. I knew his car stood out most folks probably knew him and a lot of the times with these towns there's a lot of people with different work shifts like you have the third you have the morning shift you have all different types of people all different types of walks of life going to work going to bed what happened and it is kind of crazy that like no one saw him that night his friends dropped him off at his car and literally after that moment he's just gone yeah I don't know. It doesn't add up to me. I agree. I I definitely don't think this was his choice to not be here. I I don't. Interesting, too, that the 
Speaking of the sightings, there wasn't that many in the town. There was like none in the town after he disappeared. But even over the years, usually in missing persons cases, you do see references to sightings of that person over the years. There has not been very many for Harry at all since that night. I think there's just a handful of them and any of those have all been debunked. So that's kind of another red flag to me that he's literally not been seen at all. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, if say Harry were to get in an accident or something, like if there were a lake or a pond, but I mean, those bases have been covered. They've been searched with sonar. And if there was a car accident, you would think somebody would pass by at least. Yeah, because 4.30 in the morning, 5 in the morning, people are commuting to work or, you know, night shift. Like you said, a lot of people have different schedules. I just think there would have been evidence of an accident if he had driven off somewhere. You know, to me, that doesn't seem like there was any. And and the area was heavily searched. So I just don't know if I I buy into that. It could have been an accident. It, It just doesn't seem very logical. It seems like there would have been some evidence of an accident. Yeah, exactly. And with small towns, if someone were to see something, I'm sure it would kind of have been going around the grapevine in town. So, yeah, absolutely. So, I don't know. It's just, it's a very strange case that he's just disappeared. I, I do wonder if maybe nowadays they'll be able to utilize some of the DNA technology and advancements, maybe in order to help determine if Harry matches anyone in the existing database. It's, probably a little bit more complicated because Harry was adopted. So I don't know how much DNA evidence that they have, but uh, that's something that I I would be curious to know if that's a potential because you never know. Maybe there's a John Doe out there who actually matches Harry um, for the DNA database. So um, yeah, definitely because we see John and Jane Doe cases a lot lately, especially these new um, packs you can get to take your own DNA and see yeah. what's on. So, and you know, the police databases for the DNA searches—they're expensive to do. But what's great about those databases is that they'll keep retesting. So, anytime a, a Jane or John Doe is found, that DNA goes into the system. You know, so they're constantly testing this case after case in order to try and get hits, which is gives a lot of hope to a lot of these older cases. So, even though it's a cold case, it doesn't mean it can't be solved. Yeah, we can only hope. One of the things that I found so powerful about this case and it drew me to it was just the amount of care that their social media presence has taken. These folks put so much of their heart and soul into creating this Facebook group and really building out Harry's name so that you can find him easily in an internet search. They've really gone above and beyond to try and solve this case and and to help Mark in his search, which is amazing to see a community come together like that. Oh yeah, it's absolutely amazing. And I mean, when we first heard about this case, we didn't even hear it directly through Mark. We heard it through Michelle, who's the admin in the Facebook group. Yep, absolutely. Which, you know, it's amazing that we're seeing so much of these. Actually, there's quite a few cases that have been solved with Facebook groups for unsolved cases. So it's one of those things that it shows. It's another tool for cold cases. It's a way to keep a story alive, to get as much information that's out there, especially with missing people or Jane and John Doe cases. It gives that ability to utilize that web presence to get in front of as many people as possible wherever they may be in the country. So you can get different ways of thinking about it, different opinions. You can get other eyes on it. You can get researchers from across the country to help in the search. So it is a powerful tool when used. And so 
I, I just want to applaud them for their strength and resilience and their, their goals to try and get as many people involved and to see Harry's case as possible. Yeah, and this is actually a great example for other families who are dealing with lost loved ones um, to start Facebook groups or start yep. social media presences because it really, really helps. It really does. And you can connect with other great people who are willing to help share your stories. So, you know, if you or your loved ones have gone through situations similar to the Milligans, you know, definitely think about utilizing social media as a positive way to get the word out about their case. That is definitely one thing that I would never have known about until we started doing this podcast. I wasn't really familiar with that being a tool. And now to me, it makes so much sense, especially with older cold cases to do something like this. So we definitely applaud them. Yeah, for sure. And hopefully one day soon, the Milligan family will get their answers. I deeply believe that they will in my heart. I just, I believe it in my gut that they're going to find answers, that they're going to get some form of closure about what happened to Harry that day. Until then, the question still remains, what happened to Harry, Dennis Milligan, to keep him from his family for the last 36 years? Did Harry plan to disappear that night, or did something or someone involuntarily force Harry away from his family? Was there an accident that night that led to Harry's missing person status? What exactly could have happened to Harry after he parted ways from the bar that night? Are there individuals that perhaps have more information as to what happened that day that would lead to Harry being gone for 36 years? This case brings more questions than answers, and we can hope that with the dedicated work of Mark Milligan and his wonderful, wonderful Facebook community that has helped him search for answers, that one day the answers to these questions will be found. If you have any information regarding the disappearance of Harry Dennis Milligan, please reach out to the Monroe County, Iowa Sheriff's Office at 641-932-7815 or the Missing Person Information Clearinghouse, Iowa Division of Criminal Investigation at 1-800-346-5507. Harry's family and community have also set up a fund where donations can be made in order to help. You can find that on their Facebook group page. Join us next week as we conclude the disappearance of Harry Dennis Milligan from Albia, Iowa back on July 1st of 1984. And if you liked this episode or any of our others, please hit that subscribe button and feel free to leave us a review on iTunes or your preferred podcast subscriber. You can also hit us up on our Instagram at CrimeTimeNerds or check out our case notes at CrimeTimeNerds.com where we post references and photos of all of our cases. We also have a Twitter account, which is at CrimeTimeNerds and an email you can reach us at, which is CrimeTimeNerds at gmail.com. We will catch you next time, you crime-loving nerdlings.